0: seated. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles today to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, it is um, It's good to be back. And um, if you've been gone for a couple of weeks, it's good for you to be back. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, Joel preaching, taking the 100 degree service outdoors uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, you had the privilege of hearing uh, Nolan Wood preach, a pastor in our community, thankful for him. And both of these guys just uh, doing such a great job with the text, listening to both both of those messages. And um, and when we were looking at the summer schedule and I asked uh, Joel to do Psalm 90 and Nolan to do Psalm 91, I really hated giving those psalms away. Uh, those are strong, good psalms. And uh, just uh, probably somewhere back there in the past, I look forward to preaching those two. Now, um, you know, when, when uh, Dave Stearns did Psalm 87, I had no problem with him having that one. But uh, I, I missed getting to do Psalm 90 and Psalm 91. Hey, this, uh, look this way this week. If you are uh, driving by our church property or you're on our church property, you'll know this place is going to be crazy in a good way. We have uh, over 300 kids signed up to be here Monday through Friday for uh, Connect Camp, all day camp, uh, all day long. And uh, we are excited about what this means for our community and for the kids that will be here. A lot of you are serving and helping in a lot of different ways. Connect Camp also brings a crew uh, with them to help as well. And you may have seen them somewhere around the property today. I don't know if you've noticed them before, but here they are. Hey, you guys, stand up. Let us recognize you here. And you you just got seated, but y'all welcome the Connect crew here. And uh, thank you for, y'all gonna be seated, and we're praying for you. Thank you for investing in our community and helping us as a local church. And uh, Ken Thomas, Gabe Norris, uh, families in our church that lead Connect Ministries, and it's a crazy thing that God's doing through uh, these folks uh, around the U.S. Um, in Alabama last week, talking to... My brother-in-law who's connected to a church in Mississippi that said we just had this camp thing at our at a church there and I said connect camp and see how yeah, hosted a couple of girls from Watkinsville and I was like this is crazy how to just keep running into Watkinsville and uh, different places and just pray for this week it's a huge week for our community we have a need for a nurse on Tuesday if uh, any of you the other weeks are covered if any of you medically trained. Um, it could be a nurse, a doctor, an EMT. Uh, we, we need somebody here on Tuesday. All the other days are covered. You could let me know or Scott Carson or Paige and uh, we want to make sure that um, somebody's here qualified to put the band-aids on if they're needed on uh, Tuesday. So let us know. I need to talk to you for just a minute about some exciting things that are coming this fall know it's July you look around the room right now and you think there's room to bring some friends with me and there is during the summer and we're trying to make sure that there will be in the fall and so uh, we're making some uh, adjustments some changes uh, for the fall to help us get ready for everybody returning from summer travel and for everything that's going to happen over there at UGA you've got about two weeks left to eat downtown all right and uh, so, do that, get that in, and then we'll welcome six thousand new freshman, first year students to our community. Thirty-six thousand students at UGA, and it may look like uh, it's just a quiet, slow place around here on sunny mornings right now. But our numbers swing from five to six hundred a week, just based on what's going on with the university schedule. And God's given us. I think just it is an amazing opportunity to minister to the river of people that flow through here, through the university and all that's tied in a lot of different ways to that. At the same time, not just with university students, but over the last year, we're experiencing kind of a fresh burst of of growth. Uh, What we are seeing in the summer right now is a hundred plus more people every Sunday than any summer we've ever had here. And so it's not just what's going on with the university, it's across all ages. And when they arrive in the fall, the second hour based on fall, winter, and spring was already full on a lot of Sundays. You throw in a home game weekend, it, it can get um, tight here. So there are three things we're going to do this fall. Uh, that will, it'll cost us some, but it won't cost millions of dollars. It'll, it'll cost some emotional things, but it's a chance for us to do some things to make room for more people. Our senior adults are leading the way, first thing. Uh, they are changing rooms, and they're changing times. We've got a couple of classes, seniors that meet Sunday mornings. They're changing their time, they're changing their rooms, and that'll give us somewhere between 70 and 100 seats in the second hour service and uh, by their transition. So thank the Lord for the flexibility of our senior adults. The second thing, if you're in this hour and it doesn't affect your area of service another hour or your class that you attend, would you consider the first hour being your worship service? We have a little bit more room in the first hour than the second hour. Uh, based on fall, winter, spring. The third thing uh, that's just for all of us is that our service times are changing. And our service times beginning the first Sunday of August, August 7th, will be 30 minutes later in both hours. So the service times beginning August 7th will be 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Now, the cost there, it, it, it... may affect some people's work schedules, it may affect some nap schedules, it may affect your place in the food line I understand, may affect your tea time, I don't know I mean it, it, but listen, Sunday corporate worship, uh, we we're making room for people and, and it's not gonna cost us millions of dollars to build new rooms not gonna uh, cost us uh, millions of dollars to start another location. It won't cost us the demand of a third service right now, but it will give us, we think, uh, some spreading of our numbers on Sunday mornings, and uh, I think it'll it'll make both hours even richer uh, in our worship experience and give us room to continue to invite people. So, uh, first Sunday of August, uh, nine thirty and 11 o'clock, all right? So be uh, watching for that, preparing for that, and looking for opportunities to invite people and include people. Um, Before we look at Psalm 92, let's pray together, all right? Father, um, it's pretty crazy to me that uh, in a lot of ways what we would consider a new room to us that we would be talking about, space again Um, I want to thank you for the privilege that you've given us to get the good news of Jesus to our community and thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church that this would even be a conversation we pray father for the fall that you would help us to reach souls reach people's lives would be connected to jesus to the word fellowship here and uh, so we ask for wisdom guidance and uh, we're trying to follow you lord if we're missing it please show us Uh, father i pray for thousands of students that are headed this way with a lot of uh, thoughts in their mind about what college is going to be what i pray that jesus Lord Jesus, I pray you'd meet them here and we'd see hundreds of students come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, for us to, for eyes on our community around us and we'd see our friends, neighbors, co workers coming to know Christ. Father, we pray for the week ahead with Connect Camp. Thank you for the 300 plus kids that'll be here. We pray their lives would be changed. We pray for. Souls to be saved. We pray for workers that will be serving, that you'd give them energy and strength for the demands of the week, and it'd be a lasting impact on our community and our church through what happens in these days ahead. And uh, Father, if we open up your word right now to Psalm 92. You've preserved it all of these hundreds of years, and I pray that it would accomplish its purposes for this day and this hour. In Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. I want to I try to answer a question today, uh, a unique question. I think uh, maybe one we don't talk a lot about out loud, and it's this. What songs should we sing on Sunday? Now, I don't know if there was any tension in the room already, but maybe we just created some. Uh, what songs should we sing on Sundays? Uh, Psalm 92, I think, answers that question for us. We, um, when we uh, come together in worship, we do a lot of different things. We, uh, we pray, we give, we preach the word, we obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we sing, we fellowship with one another. Psalm 92 gives us uh, some understanding of what we sing on Sundays. Songs tell a lot about where our heads are. Songs tell a lot about where our hearts are. And Psalm 92 tells us where our heads and our hearts need to be when we come to worship. And so that's what I want to do with Psalm 92. Psalm 92 is unique to all the other psalms. You think 150 psalms, how could this single psalm, how could this one psalm be unique from all the others. It's because of the title of this psalm. Psalm 92 is designated in the title a psalm. Others do that. But this particular psalm says a song for the Sabbath. A song for the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, be quick to say, yes, I, I know that Sunday is not the same as Sabbath. Uh, But there is a connection. There's a strong correlation. And that is when you talk about the Sabbath in the Old Testament, it was the day that God's people understood as a time of corporate worship. And when we talk about Sundays as New Testament believers, we understand Sunday as a day for corporate worship. We do that. We celebrate on Sunday a time of coming together in corporate worship Tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And since the day that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, believers have gathered on the first day of the week to, you, you could say, to weekly celebrate Easter, uh, to weekly celebrate a risen Savior that has died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, rose again on Sunday. So the connection here between Psalm 92, a a song of the Sabbath, and our gathering is this corporate coming together of believers, corporate coming together of the children of God in worship. And this particular psalm speaks of the music of worship. Now, I, I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but one of the glorious gifts that God has given to the Christian faith is music. Singing, songs, other other faiths, belief systems. They don't have the music that Christianity has. And you know that in your experience of how God has used music and the songs of our faith to strengthen us in what we believe, strengthen us in how we know God, to give to us something in our hearts that we, we cling to. And I could, those of you that have been raised around Christianity for a number of years. We could play Name That Tune. And just a few notes in, you would be singing right along with songs that God have, has planted in your heart. With the truth of who he is and what he's done. Well in this uh, Psalm 92, we, we have this uh, celebration of song, of musical worship now psalm uh, 92 i would say is a lot like the lord's prayer the lord's prayer is given to us in the new testament the disciples said teach us to pray and the, and and jesus said pray like this now there are some occasions maybe a ball game or a locker room where we we chant the lord's prayer But when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we don't think every single time we pray that we're supposed to quote that prayer, chant that prayer, that those are the only words we say or the only way we pray. We see the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer. We see the Lord's Prayer as showing us how to pray. And when I look at Psalm 92, with it being designated as a song for the Sabbath, I think it serves as a pattern for us to know what God's desire and God's design is for worship, specifically musical worship, singing and worship. And so I want us to kind of unpack this psalm, and maybe I mentioned it earlier, but I just want to point out it's the only psalm that is designated in this way. I want to read the psalm. I want you to listen to it. Let's listen to this psalm. See what kind of words come up. See what kind of actions take place. See what you hear in this psalm. If God has preserved this psalm for such a time as this, what was he after? What did he want? What did he desire? Verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, when I answer this question of what song should we sing on Sunday, some of you may kind of already have your mouth watering of thinking, here we go, we're about to get into it. And uh, I want to just tell you that what we're going to do is just take the themes of this psalm and answer that question, these are the songs that we sing. I do want to call your attention to something, though, and that is what we have in the inspired Word of God are words to songs. That's always kind of spoken to me. in the fact that God in His timing of writing the Word and putting the Word together has given to us a picture of worship, but we don't have the sounds of worship. Even though we have the words to songs, we don't have the notes to songs. We don't know the rhythm to songs. The only way that we can know some of the rhythm to these thong- songs is to try to uh, do, the, do a cultural study and try to figure out what the culture is Uh, Music might have been like in the day when these songs were written. And so God could have just as easily preserved his word for a day when there was video, when there was recording ability. Uh, He could have taken it at a time where it could have been captured, but what he's given us in his word is a time where words could be written, where drawings could be made, and, and that's what we have to learn from about the kind of worship that he desires and that he's designed. So let me just go right to this here. What kind of songs should we sing? Let's, we see we that we should sing songs of gratitude. Songs of gratitude. He says in verse 1, it is good... To give thanks to the Lord. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. Very first burst, very first phrase, very first verse. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. We think of another psalm that says, uh, We come into his courts with praise, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Here he says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Good means uh, a blessing. It means right. It means admirable. It means honorable, and and he says, "Here's what's admirable. Here's what's honorable. Here's what's right. Here's what blesses. What blesses is good. It is giving thanks. And so the songs that we sing in corporate worship from right out of the gate are songs of gratitude. And and why would that be? Because it gives us a chance in our heart to acknowledge that what we have is not self-produced. That what we have has, is what we receive from God, our creator and our provider. And from the very beginning, when we gather in worship, we're saying, this is not about what I've done. This is not about what I can do. This is about what God has done and what God can do and what God has given and what God has provided. And so we come before him as the creator and provider and we give him Thanks. We give him gratitude. We say, God, we're acknowledging you for what you have done. Secondly, we sing songs of gratitude. Then, second, we sing songs of praise. We sing songs of praise. He says, it's Good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. That uh, to sing praises to your name, you see, small case in. A M E. That's a reference, not to his proper name, not to his official name. It's, it's a reference to his reputation name. You may have uh, go into a town and ask somebody, "Hey, do you you know John Smith?" And say, "Oh, yeah, he's got a pretty he's got a big name in this place." What are you saying? You're saying his reputation is big. Here he's saying, "We sing praises to his name. We sing praises to his." reputation. We sing praises to what we know of him, and the way he describes him is as almost high. Gratitude is acknowledging God for what he's done. Praise is acknowledging God for who he is. And when we gather in a setting like this for worship, what, are, what kind of songs? Songs that acknowledge what God has done, and songs that acknowledge who God is. The two perhaps most common attributes of who God is are listed right here. He says in verse 2, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. He said, when you come together to worship the Lord, give him thanks and give him praise and praise him for what? That every morning when you meet him, he meets you with his love and every night when you close the day, He's followed you with his faithfulness. You praise him for his love, and you praise him for his faithfulness. That's the kind of God that he is. If you're out at the park and you're you're watching someone play soccer, and you see this girl there on the soccer field, you've never seen her before, and you're watching her, and 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 you observe how she plays, and after the soccer match, you walk up to her and say, "Hey, I just watched you." As, as you worked as a goalkeeper, I've never seen a goalkeeper like that. Your reflex, your reach, uh, the ground that you can cover, the strength of the way you uh, delivered the ball, um, the attent- attentiveness to how you guarded the goal, uh, You uh, amazing work today as a goalie. What have you done? You've observed a person doing something. You've noticed how they do it. And then you came to them and you gave back to them what you saw. You were praising them. When you and I get to know God and we see that he's faithful and we see that he's loving and we see that he's mighty and we see that he's majestic and we see that he's the creator and we see that he's the sustainer and we see that he's the provider and we see that he's the healer, when we see that he's the rock and the refuge, when we see who God is, what do we do with that? We give it back to him. We come to him and we say, God, I've seen you this week and I wanna worship you. I wanna praise you. You know what changes corporate worship? Here's what will change your corporate worship. When you come together on Sunday, Spend Monday through Saturday with your eyes open to what God is doing and how he's working. And when you see in your work and in your family, in your home and in your community and in creation, all that God is showing and doing and revealing, when you get together like this in corporate worship, you know what you want to do? You're like, give me a song. Give me a song. i got to sing it back to him. Give me a prayer. i got to pray it back to him. You come and you offer to him what he has shown you day by day by day in your relationship. It shows a lot in our hearts in corporate worship where our heads have been during the week. And so he's, he's saying, we, we come before him with thanks, gratitude. We come before him with praise for who he is and how he's revealed himself. Third, we sing songs. This is practical. We sing songs with musical instruments. Now, we started the service back up just a few minutes ago. Do you remember we started this song The very first song, Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful. We sang, How Great Thou Art. Songs, words. You sit here and you look up here and you see on this platform a piano, drums, guitars, different kinds. Why are they there? Are they there because the world uses Instruments, and we're trying to be like the world? No. We use instruments because the Word uses instruments, and we're trying to be like the Word. You with me? You see, this psalm says, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute, which is a ten-stringed, in their day, a kind of a ten-stringed, pear-shaped, guitar looking instrument uh, to the music of the lute and the harp, the harp here would just picture an upside down horseshoe with a little flare on each end with strings in the middle and, and he said to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre and he, he includes music musical instruments in the worship of God now I said well that's, that's yeah I see that but Look, turn over with me just a little more evidence of this, what God's desire and design is. Look at Psalm 150. And we're going to get to Psalm 150 in about six years. So we got time to visit it and it not be um, worn out by the time we get there. Psalm 150, the very last song in God's hymn book, it says, Praise the Lord Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You read that, and you see God in His design of worship has included instruments, words, yes, music, yes, instruments, yes. And read it, read that, and say, now "Pastor, I just, I don't, I don't get into tambourines, uh, Pastor, I don't get into clashing cymbals." Because trumpets, let that be for Saturdays in Sanford. I don't get into trumpets. Now, here's, here's the trouble with that line of thinking God's worship is not about what we get into, God's worship is about what He desires. And it's not for God to bring himself in line with what I get into. It's for us to bring our lives in line with what God gets into. And God's word tells us, listen, God's word tells us, use instruments. You got a five-gallon bucket you want to turn upside down and use two wooden sticks and pat your foot. Beat out a rhythm and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, to him be glory. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. I feel like there'd be some church in America be clapping right now. I don't know. Come on. <laughs> Listen, God desires our worship and he designs our worship and he's given to us here a pattern and he's saying, use some instruments in worship. Fourth, sing songs of joy. Sing songs of joy. Uh, we, we talk about a, a worship gathering that we do on Sundays as a, as a time of celebration. And I know on a Monday through Saturday we can think, hey, I've been through some things this week. I'm not sure I want to celebrate those things. But that celebration is based back on why we gather on Sundays. It's because of what Jesus has done in rising from the dead and being alive today. He says in verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. Has the Lord's work made you glad? He says, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Our music tells a lot about what we love. There have been times in interviews when I've asked people, what's the last music uh, you bought? What were you listening to before you came into this interview? What's your favorite musical group? Our music tells a lot about where our hearts are and where our heads are. And he says here, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. I think you could divide up God's work into three categories. I, I like to think about God's work and His work in creation. Your timelines—if you're on social media right now—your timelines are full of God's creation, the sunsets. Have you seen them this week? The afternoon thunderstorms and the way the clouds and the lights mix close at the close of the day. You're out watching sunsets. You're. You, Pictures of the water, picture of the oceans, picture of the mountains, picture of wildlife. What are we doing? We're saying, look, look at his creation. What is is creation? That That is the handiwork of our God. That's the creativeness of our God. And he said, as you look at those sunsets and look at those sunrises and you look at those mountain peaks and you look at those ocean waves and you look at those small flowers blooming in your yard and that fruit producing in your garden, what do you do? You let that bring you joy. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. And then crisis. Do you know that crisis, we see the work of God's hands? We get in situations where we don't understand how we're ever going to get out of this pit. But then there's a story of Him parting the sea in your life and making a way and providing a way. And the works of His hands call us to be joyful in Him. And then there's conversion. Do you still get excited about your salvation? Confess it to God if you've gotten over salvation. Confess it to God if you've just taken it for granted. God, help us not to lose the joy of our salvation. Concern. Concern that you may have lost your joy of your salvation. Does it do something in your heart to think about who you were and what Jesus has done? You were separated from God. Destined for an eternity in hell without him. With sin in your life and absolutely nothing you could do about it. And God loved you so much that he sent his only son as the only one that could pay for your sin. And he lived a sinless life. And he was arrested and he was crucified. Nailed to a cross. And he hung there till he suffocated and died his side was pierced and his blood flowed he was laid in a borrowed tomb dead and on the third day he rose back to life giving us the confidence that if we would believe in him and trust him that he would forgive us of our sin so that when we die we can live forever with him Hallelujah. Listen, you preach that gospel. Preach that gospel again and again to your life. Maybe you just thought the gospel is for lost people. Listen, the gospel is for saved people, for us to review over and over and over again what Jesus has done for our soul so that when this world beats us up and knocks us down and makes us look like there's nothing good going here, we realize, hey, you know what? I'm not a citizen of this place. My home is in heaven. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I'm on my way to my home, and one day I'll be with Jesus. Oh, friends, listen. Don't get over your salvation. This great gift of God that he's given to us, we totally undeserved it. And that's why we sing songs of joy in this place because of what God has done in creation and crisis and conversion next we sing songs that remind us of who wins in the end sing songs of that remind us of who wins in the end I think I say it probably too many times but sometimes I'm more than I'm a pastor I'm the CRO here I'm the chief reminding officer And it's just again and again for us to gather back in this place and remind us whatever you experience Monday through Saturday, the uncertainty, the discouragement, the disagreement, to come back and say, you know what, this isn't it. This isn't all there is. And he says here in verse 5, he says, How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. our hope is, is that we can share the good news of Jesus. And those that have rebelled against God would receive Jesus and be right with God. But when we watch the world around us and we see the lives of the wicked, those who are living in rebellion against God, The psalmist knows, just like what you know in this day, sometimes we look and we say, why does it seem like the wicked win? Why does it seem like those who are not walking with God have everything? Why does it seem like they're flourishing? And what we do when we come in corporate worship is to remind ourselves that we've got to have the long view We've got to have the view of eternity, the view of heaven. That life is just a little bitty blaff on this earth. is just a little bitty blip in all of eternity. He says. He, he says here that the wicked sprout like grass. That's the comparison. Later, he makes it uh, to the righteous in verse twelve. He says the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar. And so the contrast that we're to remind ourselves of, even in our singing, is this. The, the, the wicked and those who reject God are like grass. The righteous, those who receive God in the salvation of Jesus, they flourish like the cedar, like the palm. What's the difference? The grass in my yard right now, I believe it's the greenest it's ever been in the 20 years that we've lived in that house. It's probably the tallest too, but it's the greenest. But you back up, seven days ago, it was the brownest, most crispy, dead-looking grass. And seven, you give us seven days without rain and seven days of heat, you know what's going to happen to my yard? Oh, it's so brown and dead and dry. And he says, that's the way it is with those who reject God. It may look good for a moment like they're flourishing, but when the heat comes... About the righteous. It's the palm and the olive. Some of you made your way to the beach this summer and you see where the palms are: hot, humid, dry, but the palms flourishing. The cedar of Lebanon. Do you know that the story of the cedar of Lebanon, that the cedars of Lebanon, that some of them measure 40, listen, 40 feet. Get it right. You want to tell this week somebody this? Forty feet, the cedars of Lebanon, the girth, the reach around of the trunk of the tree, 40 feet to go around it. And he's saying the righteous are far more like the cedar that stands through the generations in the heat, storm, and trial than the grass. And we sing songs to remind us who wins in the end. Next, we sing songs that revive us. We sing songs that revive us. He says in verse 12, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Back up a couple of verses to verse 10. He says, You have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. That's a a picture, he's saying, you have made me strong. You've given me strength. You've exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. And he says, you have poured over me fresh oil. That phrase is a picture of revival. It's a picture of revival. And then verse 14, he says, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. That's a picture of life. And he's saying in this song for the Sabbath, he's saying, let it be known, let it be declared that what God does is he brings life, he revives. When he says, you've poured o- o- over me fresh oil, that's a, that's a picture of something that's like a fresh anointing. It's, a, it's something that brings something to life again. As a baseball player, you may say, hey, this afternoon I oiled my glove. Or one who works as an equestrian says, this afternoon I I oiled my saddle. And and what it does is it, it keeps the leather pliable and usable. It makes it able to function. And he said, here's God what you do. You put fresh oil on me. You make me alive. You make me usable. You make me viable. And that's a, that's a part of our singing. Doesn't God does he use songs in your life to just, just stir you up and bring you back to life? Maybe in your life right now, you need some new music. You need some songs that give life. I love this verse. He says... They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. This has become my life verse this summer. I just love it. You're with me. Turned 56. My kids reminded me I'm closer to 60 than 50 now. They bless me. They were so good to me. They bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. <laughs> we... Um, Does it bother you to get old? Do you bother other people by getting old? (laughs) This verse is for you. This verse is for me. It's, it's, It's telling us that just because we get old, we don't have to get cold. And when we get old, we can bear fruit and be full of life. That's what it means to be full of sap and green. I want to be 90 and full of sap and green. And, and, and his and worship does that in you. Cheney and I went to the phone store this week, and we're sitting there at the phone store, and, and the same question keeps coming up over the last year. It seems like the second question every time I do business, people are asking me is, are you a member of AARP? I'm like, what is going on? I mean, what, what, why are you asking me that all of a sudden? And, and, the, and the lady at the phone counter with my daughter says to me, are you a member of AARP? And Chaney looks at me and says, what's that? I said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. Why do you ask? She said, because you have seven lines and you get ten dollars off per line if you're a member. And I said, sign me up. $70, dollars? I'll join. I don't have to know what it stands for. She asked, What does it stand for? I said, I'm not telling you, but I'm sign us up. And I was fine all of a sudden with being old. Listen. The reason this verse is in there, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green because it is possible for us to stop living before we die. And we believe that it's time to sit on the shelf and let somebody else do it. Let somebody else worship. Let somebody else serve. And he's saying, no, when you sing the songs that you need to sing, it'll do something in your heart to create revival. And you'll be full of life as you remember who God is and what Jesus has done. And this is the last thing. He says, I would say, sing songs that exalt him. It's my prayer. It's Jason's prayer. It's Caleb's prayer. It's Tim's prayers. our worship team's prayer. That when you walk out of this room on Sundays, that you walk out of this room saying, God is awesome. God is good. God is big. Jesus is good. Jesus is big. The Holy Spirit is powerful. That he's the one that is exalted. That's the kind of worship we need. That's the kind of worship that God has designed. He says in verse 15, To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The song begins with thanksgiving and it ends with a declaration of who God is. And that's where our worship needs to end again and again and again I want to ask Caleb to come and he's going to help us close today as he comes to lead us in this time of closing it's this is a special song personally had two or three different church experiences while we were away and a couple of weeks ago we went to church with one of our kids and his wife, and we were in the service, and listen, there's a lot of flesh left in me, all right? And I walk in another church, I, I'm like critiquing and comparing, and I'm just like, well, why do they do that? And we could do that, and I wonder, why did they do that? And I'm just, like, I'm just messed up, all right? Just a mess. And I'm, we're there, and they're singing, and I'm looking around. And all of a sudden, in a song, I hear the phrase, Oh, my soul, don't you get shy on me. And the Spirit of God fell on me. Rose up in me. How are you going to describe it? And they said it again. Oh, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. There's a lion in those lungs. Get up. God can do whatever he wants to do in this morning. But maybe the Spirit of God would rise up in you in worship today and remind you there's a lion in you. Thank him. Praise him. Give him the gift that he desires. Let's stand, pray, worship, sing. Caleb.